the FBI grooms a 16-year-old and then arrests him for terrorism. Not kidding. The IRS and the ATF seize firearm purchase records. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Africa says, back off, Jack, to Bill Gates and Nazi George Soros. And turning frogs gay. Yes, it's back. In a weird way. Also, just in the last 20 minutes, an update on the Hunter Biden laptop story just broke, and we will have that for you coming up. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Yeah, we're going to get to all that and more in just a bit. Right now, we're going to start off things the usual way. That's with our Miko update. Miko's our little three-and-a-half-year-old Shiba Inu baby, and she's doing great. This is her taking like five minutes ago, just before the show. I was downstairs uh, playing with Miko, and that is her favorite toy. That old T-shirt. That's it. Uh, she's got eight billion toys, and this is the one she plays with most. It's an old T-shirt, and she loves it. It's it is uh, it is her thing. There she is. Uh, I don't know what that pose is. <laughs> Maybe she's coming into heat. That could be. But anyway, that's her with the uh, with the shirt, and that's her house behind there. Our Miko updates brought to you by BarkBox.com slash Miko if you want a free month. When you sign up for a multi-month subscription, you'll get a month free if you use BarkBox.com slash Miko. BarkBox is a, a monthly subscription service. You'll get every month delivered to your door a themed box of dog goodies, two bags of treats, two toys, and a dog chew. Every month, a new theme. And it is amazing. All natural ingredients, sized right for your dog. If your dog has any allergies, they will make sure you don't get that kind of stuff. Fantastic people over there at BarkBox. And if you look in our show notes down there, in addition to BarkBox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O, that's easy to remember. There's another kind of wonky link under there. It's a limited time. going to end this week special for some water toys because, hey, it's summertime. So for you or your dog, you can get some cool floaties and a couple of water sprinklers. Uh, my Miko loves playing with the water. It is her favorite thing. I can't water my bonsai trees that she isn't running all over the place trying to eat the water. But anyway, check it out. Either one of those two links will get you a great deal from BarkBox.com. All right, this just broke. It's not on our list tonight because it literally happened within the last 15 or 20 minutes. And this is actually the tweet from DC Drano. If you're not following DC Drano, you are missing out. Anyway, Hunter Biden has reached a tentative agreement with the Department of Justice to plead guilty to three federal crimes, two tax and one gun crime under terms that will keep him out of jail. Yeah, sure helps to have your daddy in the Oval Office. Three federal crimes and no jail. Here's the story from CBS News. Hunter Biden, president's son, reached a tentative deal with the U.S. Attorney's Office agreeing to enter guilty pleas uh, to two misdemeanor tax charges, admitting to felony gun possession. And that's according to a Justice Department filing. The plea will include an acknowledgement that drug use was a contributing factor in his gun crime. Wouldn't that make it worse? and is entering into a pretrial diversion agreement, according to the filing. 
A source with knowledge of the agreement says it's expected to mean that for two years, Hunter Biden must remain drug-free and cannot commit any additional crimes. And if he fails to do that, the oh, if he does that successfully, the gun count will be dismissed. If not, it'll amount to a guilty plea. Insane. All this, no jail time, and we still have a laptop full of porn, drug use, child pornography, and he just walks away. Like DC said, sure does help to have daddy sitting behind the desk in the Oval Office, don't it? Unfreaking. Well, no, you know what? It's not unfreaking believable. It's completely believable. With this Biden crime family, it makes perfect sense. Un, unreal. Unreal. All right, speaking of unreal, what was originally our headline tonight, and this is a strange, strange head shaker story, like most of what we cover on this show. The FBI groomed a 16-year-old with brain development issues to become a terrorist. An undercover FBI agent befriended this teenager online. When he turned 18, they arrested him for supporting ISIS. Okay. Last week, Department of Justice announced the arrest of a teenager in Massachusetts on allegations of providing financial support to the Islamic State group. A flurry of reports picked up on the arrest of Matteo Ventura, 18-year-old resident of Wakefield, Mass., echoing government claims that an international terrorist financer and an ISIS supporter had just been busted in the United States. Yeah, that makes it sound much more important, doesn't it? The DOJ's own press release on the case trumpeted Ventura's arrest for knowingly concealing the source of material support or resources that he intended to go to a foreign terrorist organization. Now, the only problem with this case and how it's been described is that according to the government's own criminal complaint, Ventura had never actually funded any terrorist group. The only terrorist he's accused of ever being in contact with was an undercover FBI agent. When he was 16 years old, this undercover FBI agent befriended the guy online, solicited small cash donations in the form of gift cards, and directed him not to tell anyone else about their intimate online relationship, including his family. The arrest obviously shaken up the family a lot, denied allegations their son was a terrorist, said he had been manipulated by the FBI, you think? Ventura's father, Paul, told The Intercept Mateo suffered from childhood development issues and had been forced to leave his school due to bullying from other students. He was born prematurely. I had the school do a neurosurgery evaluation, and they said his brain was underdeveloped, Ventura said. 
He was suffering endless bullying at school, other kids taking food off of his plate, tripping him in the hallway, humiliating him, and laughing at him. Now, contrary to the rather sensational narrative the feds have been pumping out there, terrorist financier in the U.S. This was an 18-year-old kid from Massachusetts. Yeah, I'm sure. The charging documents show Ventura gave an undercover FBI agent gift cards for amazingly small amounts, sometimes $25 increments. In his initial bid to travel to the Islamic State, the teenager balked, made up an excuse by the FBI's own account to explain why he didn't want to go. When another opportunity to travel abroad arose, he balked again, staying home on the evening of his supposed flight instead of traveling to the airport. By the time the investigation was winding down, he appeared ready to turn in his purported ISIS uh, contact, an FBI agent, to the FBI. So they groom this kid from 16 years old. He gets to be 18, and they bust him for being a terrorist. Way to go, FBI. Like most of America already doesn't think you are just absolute pieces of crap and you all ought to just be out of work and then you pull some crap stunt like this. Like I said, that is a major head shaker. (sighs) Here's another head shaker, this moron. (laughs) I love this story. It just puts a smile on my face because these people are so stupid. The Pentagon has a secret service. Did you know that? Of course. And this secret service, not the secret service that guard the president, counterfeit and all that stuff. This is the Pentagon's secret service. They are trawling social media for mean tweets about generals. If anybody deserves a mean tweet, it's this idiot. A document shows the Protective Services Battalion uses sophisticated surveillance tools that can pinpoint anyone's location. Gee, maybe the FBI should check out what the Pentagon Protective Services Battalion has. They can look for the uh, January 6th bomber. That might help. You know, a little interagency cooperation. When the chairman of the Joint Chiefs Mark Milley enters into his scheduled retirement later this year. Thank God. One of the perks will be include a personal security detail to protect him from threats, including the threat of embarrassment. Yeah, they consider that a legit threat. The U.S. Army Protective Services Battalion, the Pentagon's little-known Secret Service equivalent, is tasked with safeguarding top military brass. The unit protects current as well as former high-ranking military officers. Gee, I wonder if General Flynn gets that kind of protection. Not likely. Anyway, the, uh, the mandate has been expanded to include the monitoring of social media for direct, indirect, and veiled threats and identifying negative sentiment regarding its wards according to an Army procurement document. 
The expansion of the Protective Services Battalion's purview has not yet been previously reported. The country's national security machinery designed to protect the United States has increasingly become focused on social media, particularly when it relates to what they call disinformation. Various national security agencies have spent recent years standing, uh, setting up offices all over the federal government to counter the purported threat. So, yeah, they now have an entire division trawling social media looking for veiled or implied threats or mean tweets about people like this idiot. And like I said... I'm just going to guess General Flynn doesn't get afforded that same service. Yeah. <sighs> Man alive. All right. Let us tell you about a company that is interested in the United States and believes in American values, honesty, the family, respect. That, of course, would be blackout coffee. They're one of our sponsors. They, uh, they pay to be here, and we want to make sure that you know about them because not only do they support our conservative values, they make the best damn cup of coffee you are ever going to have. I guarantee it. This company does an incredible job, and they were founded on the principles of conservative values. And yes, even our own favorite Dan Bongino has his own blend at Blackout Coffee. The, um, they believe in the importance of hard work, family, American values, the best small batch fresh roasted coffee you will find. It's all done in-house. When you place an order, they, they uh, roast it right then, and within 24 to 48 hours, ship it out, and you'll get it at your door quick. And there you go. You have a fresh, literally fresh roasted, incredible bag of amazing coffee beans. They source premium grade beans, all the best places, all the perfect soils, the perfect altitude, and they're harvested at just the right time. Working with local co-ops and farmers in America. Remember what I said? This is an America tried and true company. And they, of course, support our troops, they support our first responders, and we hope you would support them. Blackout Coffee, right now, use the link in our show notes and you will get an incredible deal and got your promo code at checkout. All you got to do is put in JS20 for 20% off your first order. That's J-A-Y-S, like J. Sheldon, J-S-20, and that will get you 20% off your first order from Blackout Coffee. Thank you, Blackout Coffee, for coming through with us here, and uh, we really do appreciate your help to sponsor the show, and uh, we hope that you, our audience, will support them and support the show. All right. You ready? It's happening. Remember what I said? Told you for a long time now, they just want to get your name on a list. Sorry, blackout coffee break. And so it begins. 20 heavily armed IRS and ATF agents raid a Great Falls gun store and seize firearm purchase 
Records. Yep. There's the uh, owner of the store, Tom Van Hoos, Highwood Creek Outfitters. In an unprecedented move, 20 armed IRS agents and Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, ATF, carried out a raid on a gun store in Great Falls, Montana, and seized all Form 4473s, documents that record buyer's information when you have a firearms transaction. Tom Van Hoos, he's the owner, alleged he alleges he's been under constant surveillance by state and federal agencies for over two years now. And on Wednesday of last week, the gun shop owner reported an unexpected visit. 20 heavily armed IRS and ATF agents at his store. They reportedly arrived at the shop early in the morning as he was opening for the day. Now confirmed both the IRS and the ATF were at the Highwoods Creek Outfitters in Great Falls at 7 a.m. and would not say why they were there. A spokesman for the IRS would only say they were there on official IRS business. The ATF says it was providing assistance for the IRS. Uh, the reporter says, We attempted to enter the store today and were stopped by agents at the door who would only say that the gun store is closed and will reopen tomorrow. According to the owner of the store, the federal scrutiny began two years ago, has involved various agencies, including the FBI, the uh, Occupational Safe and Health Administration, what? The Department of Homeland Security, and now the IRS. They got your records. They're starting their list. He says, the owner says, they must think we make a fortune in the gun business to investigate us like this. Assuming we're hiding thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars. However, anyone familiar with gun business profit margins would know that ain't the case. He was simply told his business had been reported, although he remains in the dark about who reported it or why. Uh, he believes this whole episode is simply politically motivated. You think? It's starting. It's starting. Your name's going to wind up on a list. This is, I'm sure, just the first of many, many to come. Un-be-freaking-leavable. Because they want you on that list. So when they come for your guns, they'll know where you are. They'll know where to come find them. How much do we love Africa? <laughs> This is from the Western Journal. Great article. An African official has unleashed on Bill Gates and George Soros. He says, My country is not your giant climate laboratory. Ha! Good on you. There's the two knuckleheads now. A Nigerian scientist, not to be confused with a Nigerian prince that sent you that email. Uh, no, this guy's for real. He's lashed out at projects that have been backed by morons like Bill Gates, George Soros, which are basically using Africa to test unproven pet theories. 
Gates supposedly uh, supporting technology in which particles would be spread in the atmosphere to block sunlight from reaching the planet. An article in Forbes back in February, Soros lent his support to a project using solar geoengineering to reflect more sunlight back into space. However, and man, I'm going to butcher this. I'll do my best. Chuck Wumariji Okereke, director of the Center for Climate Change and Development at Alex Ekwome Federal University in Nigeria, said these concepts should not be tried out using Africa as a giant Petri dish. As a climate expert, he's quoted as saying, I consider these environmental manipulation techniques extremely risky. And as an African climate expert, I strongly object to the idea that Africa should be turned into a testing ground for their use. This is from an op-ed in the New York Times. My continent is not your giant climate laboratory. Pushing back against a report favoring what it called solar radiation modification, said that logic needed to prevail and warned that SRM, as well as climate policy options, might encounter non-rational public responses that could strongly influence decision-making. It wasn't the first time, according to this guy, that Westerners have tried to persuade Africans to solar engineer projects that might or might not be in their best interest. And he says it won't be the last. He called solar radiation management highly speculative without using the whole earth as a laboratory. It's impossible to know whether it would dim anything, let alone how it might affect ecosystems, people, and the global climate. Basically, this thank goodness for this guy who's basically said, George Soros, Bill Gates, F off. Leave us alone. Stop using us as some sort of giant Petri dish. I think it's Petri, isn't it? Petri or Petri? I think it's Petri. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a long time since high school science class, all right? <laughs> oh, man. All right, speaking of giant Petri dishes. Mm. All right, you're talking about scare tactics. You like yourself some scare tactics. They're getting very good at this, and we also are getting really good at calling out their bullshit. Like this. The world's deadliest diseases are coming to the UK because of climate change. Mosquitoes, ticks, carrying viruses with death rates up to 50% will make Britain home. Experts warn MPs. <laughs> they will do anything, won't they? A deadly disease that kills up to half of everything it infects is on its way to the UK because of, drumroll, climate change. Zika and breakbone fever will eventually spread to British soil, they warned. Scientists told MPs today the diseases, which are transmitted by mosquitoes and ticks, are bound for Britain because of rising temperatures increasing their range. 
Take a look at this scare tactic. The world's deadliest diseases coming to Britain. Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever. Rift Valley fever. Dengue. And Zika. Yeah. Warming temperatures, they say. Uh, Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever. Uh, already reaching France, according to the tracking of, oh, that very trustworthy organization that never lies to anyone, the World Health Organization, because they did so well with COVID. <coughs> what are these ads? This has got to be from the UK with ads like this in their, in their news stories. <laughs> anyway, so they're doing their best to scare you, and it's working because there's a lot of sheep out there, and they're going to just read the headlines, and they're going to run for the hills. Yep. But not everybody, because not everybody's woke. Not everybody's falling in line. Put your mask on, get your vax, get your clot shots. A girls basketball team finally said, no, not going to happen. And they went about it in the best way. This is from SportsAlex, A-L-I-X dot com. And it is an incredibly cool story. I love this. About a team of girls basketball players who fought back and good on you. Girls basketball team forfeits the playoff game because they refuse to play against a biological male. Yes. It's going to take more people like this standing up, setting their foot down and saying, nope, not going to happen. The mid-Vermont Christian girls school basketball team withdrew from the Vermont Division uh, Division 4 state tournament because of a refusal to play against an opponent with a transgender student athlete. The school's head, uh, head of school, Vicki Fogg, said that playing against a biological male jeopardizes the fairness of the game and the safety of their players. Isn't that the truth? Vermont law allows transgender female students, basically men, to play on girls' sports teams. And the Vermont Principals Association supports best practices with their inclusivity statement. The school earlier submitted a letter asserting that it reserved the right not to follow all of Vermont's anti-discrimination laws. It appears the Vermont Principals Association is not looking out for the best interest of their biological female students, putting the needs of the biological male transgender idiots ahead of the actual females. It takes a lot for a school to get into the playoffs, but it takes a lot more for them to forfeit their game and to stand in protection of real women and the integrity of their sports. Our hats are off to you. Biological males should not be infiltrating women's sports. And they decided to make a stand and say, nope, we're not going to do it. And they forfeited a very hard-won playoff game for exactly that reason, and good on you. Congratulations. Wow.
amazing story. Incredible that somebody finally stood up. More people need to do that. You need to do that. Stand up. Take a stand. It's the only way things are going to change. All right. You remember... <laughs> Look, I know Alex Jones is a whack. His presentation style is above and beyond, to say the least. I'm going to play something for you on tomorrow night's show. You're not going to believe how prophetic this guy can actually be. And a great deal of the stuff that people shook their heads and said, this guy is just an absolute whack nut job, have turned out to be 110% absolutely true. And just the latest one, because Robert F. Kennedy Jr. got involved, is this headline, which, he's not wrong, folks. By the way, I strongly support him getting back on Twitter. I, I absolutely, it's a free speech thing. Whether you agree with him, want to follow him or not, that doesn't mean he ought to be silenced. Elon, get to that, would you? Atrazine induces complete feminization and chemical castration in male African clawed frogs. This is from the PNAS.org. A herbicide, atrazine, one of the most commonly applied pesticides in the world. As a result, atrazine is the most commonly detected pesticide contaminant in groundwater, surface, and drinking water. The water you drink. Atrazine, also a potent endocrine disruptor, that is active at very low ecologically relevant concentrations. So that means just a little bit of this stuff can have an effect on you. Previous studies have shown that atrazine adversely affects amphibian larval development. The present study demonstrates the reproductive consequences of atrazine exposure in adult amphibians, frogs. 10% of those exposed genetic males developed into females, but not just females, functional females, copulated with unexposed males, produced viable eggs, atrazine-exposed males suffered from depressed testosterone, decreased breeding gland size, demasculined, feminized laryngeal development, suppressed mating behavior, reduced spermatogenesis, and decreased fertility. So, as a matter of an analogy, when Alex said, it's turning the freaking frogs gay, this is what he was referring to. And now, here it is, in a scientific study. The actual study is there. The link is in our show notes. So before, look, I, like I said, I know his presentation, presentation style's a bit off. He has done and said some things that maybe shouldn't have been said. But he's been right. 
love him or hate him, you cannot deny, look at this, that he has been right on more than one occasion. Stay tuned for that video I'm going to play you tomorrow night. You won't believe it. It's frightening. I, I cannot say I'm a huge fan of Alex Jones. Yes, I used to watch InfoWars. Um, I kind of got away from it because I think they kind of went off the deep end. But they have an absolute right to say what they want to say. And in this particular, read this article. This is the actual study. It's there and all the information is there. And you'll find out more about how, yes, indeed, atrazine is turning the freaking frogs gay. Amazing. I'll get that video for tomorrow in tomorrow night's show. We'll end up, probably end with that because it's, uh, it's a bit of a kick-ass thing. All right, you all ready? It's time for 1984. We read books on this show, indeed, the last part of the show. We've always done that for 391 shows now. Usually, we in the past, we've done all kinds of great classic children's literature. The Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, Alice in Wonderland, The Little Prince, uh, White Fang. We had all kinds of great books. We read them a little bit at a time, beginning to end, and then move on. And uh, thanks to a great uh, viewer of ours, he suggested we read 1984 from George Orwell because we're living it, folks. It's amazing the more I read this book, how prophetic it is. It really is. So uh, we left off in uh, chapter 13, I think. So let's pick up where we left off of George Orwell's 1984. Sometimes, too, they talked of engaging in active rebellion against the party, but with no notion of how to take the first step. Even if the fabulous brotherhood was a reality, there still remained the difficulty of finding one's way into it. He told her of the strange intimacy that existed, or seemed to exist, between himself and O'Brien and of the impulse he sometimes felt simply to walk into O'Brien's presence, announce that he was an enemy of the party, and demand his help. Well, curiously enough, this didn't strike her as impossibly a rash thing to do. She was used to judging people by their faces, and it seemed natural to her that Winston should believe O'Brien to be trustworthy on the strength of a single flash of his eyes. Moreover, she took it for granted that everyone, or nearly everyone, secretly hated the party and would break the rules if he thought it was safe to do so. But she refused to believe that widespread organized oppression existed or could exist. The tales about Goldstein and his underground army, she said, are eh, simply a lot of rubbish which the party had invented for its own purposes, and which you had to pretend to believe in. Times beyond number at party rallies, spontaneous demonstrations, she shouted at the top of her voice for the execution of people whose names she'd never heard and whose supposed crimes she hadn't the faintest belief. When public trials were happening, she'd taken her place in the detachments from the Youth League and surrounded the courts from morning to night, chanting at intervals, Death to the traitors! During the two minutes' hate, she always excelled all others in shouting insults at Goldstein. Yet 
she had only the dimmest idea of who Goldstein was and what doctrines he was supposed to represent. She'd grown up since the revolution, was too young to remember the ideological battles of the 50s and 60s. Such a thing was an independent political movement, was outside of her imagination. And in any case, the party was invincible. It always exists. It would always be the same. You could only rebel against it by secret disobedience or, at most, by isolated acts of violence such as killing somebody or blowing something up. In some ways, she was far more acute than Winston, far less susceptible to party propaganda. Once, when he happened in some connexation to mention the war against Eurasia, she startled him by saying casually that, in her opinion... The war wasn't happening. The rocket bombs which fell daily on London were probably fired by the people of Oceania itself just to keep people frightened. This was an idea that had literally never occurred to him. She also stirred a sort of envy in him by telling him that during the two minutes' hate, her great difficulty was to avoid bursting out laughing. She only questioned the teachings of the party when they in some way touched upon her own life. Once she was ready to accept the official mythology simply because the difference between truth and falsehood didn't seem important to her. She believed, for instance, having learnt it at school, that the party had invented aeroplanes. In his own school days, Winston remembered in the late fifties it was only the helicopter the party claimed to have invented. A dozen years later, when Julia was at school, it was already claiming the airplane, one generation more, and it would be claiming the steam engine. And when he told her that airplanes had been in existence since before he was born and long before the revolution, the fact struck her as totally uninteresting. After all, what did it matter who'd invented airplanes? It was rather more of a shock to him when he discovered that from some chance remark she didn't remember that Oceania, four years ago, had been at war with East Asia and at peace with Eurasia. It was true she regarded the whole war as a sham, but apparently she hadn't even noticed that the name of the enemy had changed. I thought we'd always been at war with Eurasia, she said vaguely. It frightened him a little. The invention of aeroplanes dated from long before her birth. But the switchover in the war that happened only four years ago, well after she was grown up. He argued with her about it for perhaps a quarter of an hour. In the end... He succeeded in forcing her memory back until she did dimly recall that at one time East Asia and not Eurasia had been the enemy. But the issue still struck her as unimportant. Who cares, she said impatiently. It's always one bloody war after another, and no one knows the news is all lies anyway. Sometimes he talked to her of the records department and the impudent forgeries he'd committed there. Some things 
did not appear to horrify her. She didn't feel the abyss opening beneath her feet at the thought of lies becoming truths. He told her the story of Jones, Aronson, and Rutherford, and the momentous slip of paper which he had once held between his fingers. It didn't make much of an impression on her. At first, indeed, she failed to grasp the point of the story. Were they friends of yours? she asked. No, I, I never knew them. They were inner party members. Besides, they, they were far older men than I was. They belonged to the good old days before the revolution. I barely knew them by sight. Uh, then what was there to worry about? People are getting killed off all the time, aren't they? He tried to make her understand. This was an exceptional case. It wasn't just a question of somebody being killed. Do you realize that the past, starting from yesterday, has been actually abolished? If it survives anywhere, it's in a few solid objects with no words attached to them, like that lump of glass there. Already we know almost literally nothing about the revolution and the years before the revolution. Every record has been destroyed. Every statue and street and building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And that process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. I know, of course, that the past is falsified, but it would never be possible for me to prove it, even when I did the falsification myself. After the thing is done, no evidence ever remains. The only evidence is inside my own head, and I don't know with any certainty that any other human being shares my memories. Just in that one instance in my whole life, I did possess actual concrete evidence after the event years after it and what good was that well it was no good because I threw it away a few minutes later but if the same thing happened to me today I should keep it well I wouldn't said Julia I'm quite ready to take risks but only for something worthwhile not for bits of old newspaper. What would you have done with it, even if you had kept it? Well, not much, perhaps. But it was evidence. It might have planted a few doubts here and there. Supposing I dared to show it to anybody. I don't imagine we can alter anything in our own lifetime, but one can imagine little knots of resistance springing up here and there. Small groups of people banding together themselves, gradually growing, and even leaving a few records behind, so the next generation can carry on where we leave off. I am not interested in the next generation, dear. I'm interested in us. You're only a rebel from the waist downward, he told her. She thought this brilliantly witty and flung her arms around him in delight. 
Whenever he began to talk of the principles of Ingsoc, doublethink, the motability of the past, the denial of object reality, and he used newspeak words, she became bored, confused, said she never paid any attention to that sort of thing. One knew it was all rubbish, so why let oneself be worried about it? She knew when to cheer, when to boo, and all that was all that one needed. If he persisted in talking of such subjects, she had a disconcerting habit of falling asleep. She was one of those people who can go to sleep at any hour and in any position. Talking to her, he realized how easy it was to present an appearance of orthodoxy while having no grasp whatever of what orthodoxy meant. In a way, the world view of the party imposed itself most successfully on people incapable of understanding it. They could be made to accept the most flagrant violations of reality because they never fully grasped the enormity of what was demanded of them and were not sufficiently interested in public events to notice what was happening. By lack of understanding, they remained sane they simply swallowed everything. What they swallowed did them no harm because it left no residue behind, just as a grain of corn will pass undigested through the body of a bird. Prophetic or what? That's chapter 13. Next time, tomorrow night's show, we'll continue with Chapter 14 of George Orwell's Amazing 1984. All right. Thanks so much for popping in tonight. Be sure and hit that follow button right over here. It really helps the show out. It's free for you. It takes no effort at all. Just give it a click. It says follow right down there. Just give that a click, and we really appreciate it. It helps the show out free for you. And be sure and check out, of course, all of our great sponsors who uh, like to bring their message to you here on the show. We really do appreciate their assistance in that. Check them out. They're in our show notes, top of the list. And all the stuff we talked about tonight is also down there. You can read all the articles for yourself. So enjoy. Thank you so much for popping in. And I will see you tomorrow. Good night. Snort. <laughs>